Well, uh, good morning, church. Good, come on, you can do better than that. Come on. Good morning, church. Okay. Uh, this is the first uh, Sunday of the Faith Promise. We're going to do it again next week. And um, we, we're doing it a little bit differently this year in that we're having the Faith Promise speaker, primary speaker this week and doing some other things next week. Um, Larry Bollinger is, he's the former um, head of the uh, Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. And we've shared over the years how important Nazarene Compassionate Ministries is for work around the world. They really are the hands and feet of Jesus for the Church of the Nazarene uh, around the world. Whenever there's a, a disaster or a war or, um, you know, the like, apparently there was the earthquake and tsunami today in uh, down in off of uh, New Zealand. Well, guess what? They're already mobilizing and ready to step in and and meet people's most basic needs, be the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, you can't. They can't do what they do, or at least not as much as what they do, if we don't participate in faith promise. Because a part of what you're giving does is allows them to basically have no overhead and focus all the expenditures on meeting the needs of the people. So we talk about that every year. But that's for me, that's exciting. We get again, we get to be part of a global church that um, ministers uh, to the basic needs, and again, are Jesus' hands and feet. So, Larry. Uh, come up and uh, let's give him a, a round of applause. Thanks, Barry. Well, it's interesting that I'm here the day after or the week of uh, an interesting election, huh? I I can't help but. You know, the first time you're in church after an election like this to say just a couple of words. So before before we get started talking about faith promise and compassionate ministries and telling missionary stories and all kinds of stuff like that, I just thought it might be important for us to say a couple of words about this election. I uh, know that wherever you find yourself on the political spectrum, this was a difficult choice, right? Like we, we came to the uh, ballot box, and if you're like me, you could have found good Christian reasons to vote for or to not vote for either candidate, right? I mean, this was, this was uh, complicated. But I want to talk just a little bit about, now that we've gone through this election, maybe how the church needs to respond at a time and space like this in our country's history where we have found ourselves in this really uh, polarizing situation, right? We live in a very pluralistic society, and so there are people who think very differently than us, inside the church and out. And I, I just want to challenge you. Listen, listen to this scripture. We have till 1 o'clock today, is that right? Okay. Only my friends from Africa know what that's like. You know, I, I was attending a service, a youth service in South Africa. And uh, it started at 9 o'clock. And by... Three o'clock in the afternoon, I had to go to the airport and I had to dismiss myself early because the youth 
like 11 of them kept preaching and preaching and preaching. It was awesome. Someday you're going to organize a service like that. And your young people over here, right? They're going to, they're going to line up and preach all day, right? All right. Hey, I'll come back for that. All right, listen. The image of the kingdom of God is a place where the most unlikely people can come together and find ourselves in relationship with one another in a place where the world tells us that we should not, cannot, would not get along. In the kingdom of God, we can. I want you to listen to the scripture from Isaiah where it begins by them Isaiah sending us a message of the pending Messiah, talking, foreshadowing the coming of Christ. And then he moves into this conversation about a very strange place that we find ourselves in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to read just from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 to 9. Bear with me. Forgive me. This, isn't, uh, this is my pre-faith promise message to you. But I can't help it, right? Working in compassionate ministries. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And a young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Listen, wherever you find yourself on the political spectrum after this week, in a country that is obviously divided in values and understanding, I, I want you, and you, you may have been passionate and voted one direction, and you may have won and lost. You may have been not so passionate and voted one direction and feel guilty for having won and or lost. I mean, this was a crazy election. But now's the time when we take the space and the ability to come together and say, my brothers and sisters especially inside the church and especially as we reach outside, you, you, you need to see that image of the kingdom of God where a child can reach in his hand in the viper's nest and not be bit, where the bear and the cow lie down together and there's no fighting. This is the image of the kingdom of God. And so in the midst of all of this polarization and all of the politics... I'm just asking, I'm just asking the church, all my friends, to very intentionally this week reach out to someone that you know that might feel differently than you in love. Win or lose, won or lost, uh, reach out to them, tell them you love them, talk about your differences, and know that God is sovereign over all of these things. Okay? That's as political as I'm going to get this morning. I know you wanted me to tell you how I voted and 
No, we won't go there. All right, we're just going to tell some stories. Is that all right? I, uh, I worked in Compassionate Ministries for 20 years. need to know that I have some special friends in this church, right? The Gailies, the Gates, other people that, are, that I'm friends with. In fact, when I was in college, I was a business major, right? I, I had anticipated that I was going to get out and make lots of money. Do we have any other business majors? Right? I see you there, right? I see that hand, right? We're going to make lots of money, right? That's the dream. And so that uh, we learn how to do finance and manage things, and uh, we expect that when we graduate, we're going to get out and make lots of money. I'll have you know that my good friends, my good friends Rob and Jamie, uh, we used to meet often, sometimes early in the morning for prayer at Eastern Nazarene College with uh, one of the janitors of the school, right? Go figure. I mean, you can have an impact from any place, any position. And we would pray about what God wants us to do, what God wants us to be. We would have deep conversations late into the night uh, and put all of our stuff out there. And, and be, we began to dream about well, maybe how God would use us outside of uh, the profit margin, right? Like, what are some things we could do? In fact, in those conversations, uh, we were pretty poor at the time, so we... We sponsored a kid, but we did it together, right? Our friend Ariwi Iwana from Uganda. Uh, and then God began to work in us in different ways uh, and put us all on this path, dreaming about how we could use all of our gifts and abilities, maybe for something very different. And so from there, I went off to graduate school to get my MBA, but not in make bunches of uh, assets, right? The M- not that kind of MBA. Uh, mine was in third world economic development. So how, how could we use all of our skills to, to help people who live in the margins? My friends went off to do similar things, right? Rob now teaches economic development at Point Loma. My friend Jamie runs the Center for Social Justice and Reconciliation at Point Loma. And it's really fun for me to come back now after all these years. Uh, I mean, we get together often, but to, to always see them in places of ministry where I have been challenged in life, uh, it's fun. It's always fun to come back together. We've gotten into lots of trouble over the years together, sometimes in college, sometimes uh, creating international incidents in other countries. It's, uh, it's amazing we're still around, I suppose, Rob, huh? Yeah. And, you know, Rob had a little accident not so long ago. That guy, so he, he, now I'm at Eastern Nazarene College, and I, I do development work. I write, I help do some fundraising for the school. It was my, one of my first days in the office, and Rob wanted to be the very first guy to give me a gift, This is the kind of friend he is. So he shows up at my office, and he writes a check for Eastern Nazarene College, and then he goes to lunch, and uh, while he's ordering a cheeseburger at the counter, he gets run over by a car. Right? Did you see the video? You look it up on YouTube. It's there. So that's the kind of friend he is. 
My wife and I, in part of our time with Compassionate Ministries, we traveled to the Philippines. We lived there for three years. And we were working in the regional office in Compassionate Ministries. I did Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, and I worked with youth in Asia. And we, while there, our assignment was with all kinds of uh, church people, right? Like uh, the church was working in 25 different countries in Asia, and we were traveling to those countries, working with mission leaders and national leaders, district superintendents and pastors. And so we had this kind of missionary assignment that wasn't really uh, being a pioneer missionary. We were... We were working with all church folks. You know, sometimes we can isolate ourselves pretty well inside the church, right? Some of some of you work at a Christian college, or you you do you know you work in ministry and or some kind of uh, charity, working with other Christians. Well, for those of you who go out on Monday morning and find yourself in a secular world. Those of us insular, we, we, have to, we have to find paths and means to, to have relationship with unchurched people. And so my wife and I, we began to pray, Lord, give us an opportunity to work with those who are not a part of the church when we were in the Philippines. See, you've got to be careful what you pray for. We got to the Philippines... And uh, within the first couple of weeks, there was a lady in the building where we lived. She was the, the building gossip. We found out pretty early. She, if we wanted to know anything that was happening in the building, we could just sit down next to her and she would tell us all the things that were going on. We were walking out of our apartment one morning and she uh, pulled us aside. She said, hey, did you hear what happened down in apartment B4 last night? We said, no, 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 tell us. Tell us what happened down before. And so she said, well, the lady that lived there, she got sick and she needed to go to the hospital. And she told us the story where she came up and the security guard helped her out to the street where they waited for a jeepney. It's like their taxi. And they waited and waited and waited. And it took so long that by the time they got in the jeepney and went to the hospital, it was like an hour and a half, two hours later, and it was too late. And whatever was wrong with her, she... She passed away. We, we felt terrible. We were like, well, what time did that happen? She said, well, it was about 5.30 last night. My wife and I looked at each other and we thought, man, what were we doing at 5.30 last night? We, we were just eating dinner. And so I went to the security guard and I said, hey, next, next time, come Come to our place. Tell us what's going We had a car. We could have taken her to the hospital. You don't need to wait for the jeepney. We're in this apartment. Just come up, knock on our door. We'd be happy. We actually felt guilty that they wouldn't have even thought to come ask us for help. Well, a few weeks later, we were, my wife and I were out on the town one night, and we were coming back to our apartment. And up in the distance, there was a car blocking the road. We were a little bit cautious because at this time, you know, they were kidnapping Americans in the Philippines. And we thought, well, I didn't want to get kidnapped. They, when you sign up to be a missionary with the Nazarene Church, there's a little clause in the contract that says, 
um, Nazarene, Church of the Nazarene doesn't pay ransom. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding, there is. And so they, they, uh, we, were, we were being very safe. In fact, at this time in the Philippines, uh, Gracia and Marsha Burnham had, were in captivity. I don't know if you remember their story, but uh, they had been captured by the Abu Sayyaf, and they were being held for ransom. So we stopped off in the distance. We looked up ahead, and we could see that there had actually been an accident. We thought, oh, boy, this isn't good. And we, as we approached the accident, somebody came up to our window and said, hey, we just hit a man on a motorcycle, and we... We can't get anybody to stop and help us. Would you help us take him to the hospital? I, I can't drive my car. You know, the windshield was all smashed in, and it was a mess. And so we said, well, okay, yeah, be careful what you pray for. So we went out. We found the man on the ditch on the side of the road. We brought him up and put him in the car. He had lost his leg. And I said, listen, I don't, know, uh, I don't know where the hospital is. We're kind of new in the country. Would somebody come with us and show us where to go? And so somebody jumped in our car and they gave us directions. We went to the hospital. We got him inside and they were able to save his life. They helped him. And then the driver of the other car who had traveled with me to the hospital, he said, listen, uh, my boss... Is, is coming, he wants to talk to you. Could you stay at least until he gets here? He goes, I'm, I'm his driver. He owns the car that was in the accident, and we, we, he, he wants to meet you. So he said, sure, and we waited for him to show up. He finally got another ride and showed up at the hospital. His name was Robert C., and he said, hey, we are really grateful, my wife and I, that you stopped your car to help us. People just kept driving by and were embarrassed. We don't know why nobody would stop, but here you, a foreigner, you stopped your car, and we're grateful. We want to we want to invite you to our Christmas party we're having next week. Would you come and be our special guests at our Christmas party? My wife and I thought, well, we like parties. We'll, we'd love to come. And so he gave us the time and address. And so a week later, we show up where we're supposed to, and there's this big metal gate. And we pull up to the gate and it opens up a little bit and a security guard comes out. He says, are you, are you the Bollingers? I said, yeah, we're the Bollingers. So he opens up the gate, lets us drive through. And we went inside and inside there were thousands of people at this party. And it was the kind of party that maybe most missionaries don't go to. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, it was loud music and dancing and drinking and people everywhere. And there was a, a stage up in the front and rows of seats. And they sat us down in the front row. And then a lady gets up and she goes, Oh, we're so glad you're here tonight for our factory Christmas party. And here this was a clothing manufacturing factory. And the man that was in the car, he was the owner of this factory. And he invited us to his factory Christmas party. They made clothes for Old Navy and the Gap and stores like that. 
And so they introduced Robert C. And he stands up in front of this big crowd and he says, Hey, we're so glad to have special guests tonight. We're happy to have the mayor of the city. And sitting next to us, the mayor stands up and waves. And the chief of police. And on the other side, the chief of police gets up and waves. And then he starts into this story. The other night, my wife and I were out and we had an accident. And he went on for 10 or 15 minutes describing what had happened. And we hit a man on a motorcycle. And people would go by, but nobody would stop. And finally, this car stopped and they helped us. They even helped take the guy to the hospital. And he went on and on and on. And finally said, and they're here with us tonight. It's the Bollingers. The Bollingers. People started cheering for the Bollingers. Be careful what you pray for. And that began what my wife and I affectionately refer to as our party ministry. Don't recommend it for the teens. Listen. You find another kind of ministry, not a party ministry. This is something you do later. Would not let my children start their party ministry, but we started ours. Listen. We ushered us up into this special room in the factory where they brought all the VIP guests. And uh, there we were eating with them. And, and one of the guests came up to us and said, I'm the brother of Mr. Robert C. And I actually own another factory. And our Christmas party is next week. Would you like to come to our Christmas party too? We'd be honored to have you. We said, sure, we'd love to come to your party. <laughs> That's so we went. Another Christmas party. And while we were at that party... Robert C.'s wife came to us and she said, next week is my son's 21st birthday party and we're going to have a big party at our house. Would you like to come to that party? I had to learn to sing karaoke. I'm not very good, but uh, I had to learn to sing karaoke. And again, these, these weren't the kind of parties that most people went to and they... They weren't the church people that we're used to hanging out with. I mean, it was a different culture. We, we didn't know how to fit into that culture. It was so awkward once they invited us to their anniversary party. And here we are as a special moment, like their 25th wedding anniversary. And there, there were people spread all throughout this nice banquet hall. And they had a PowerPoint slides presentation going on with an announcer a narrator talking about their life together. You know, here, Mr. Robert and NAC, they got married, pictures of them. This is how different their culture, this is how unchurched their culture was. It got to this one place in the PowerPoint slide, and they said, and despite Robert's many infidelities, and they had pictures of him with these beautiful women, like going through in the slide presentation, and my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, they, they show this. Like, despite Robert's many infidelities, the love of his life is still his wife, Nene. Right. Be careful what you pray for. We tried to talk to them about what we did and who we were and why we were in the Philippines. Why they didn't understand. They even came to church with us. And I tell you, the culture of our church there was as foreign to them 
as their parties were to me. I mean, they didn't know when to stand up or sit down. They didn't know what language we used. And we could have sophisticated conversations about our theology. And boy, that was just foreign to them. We couldn't communicate to them in that way. In fact, it was uh, two completely different worlds colliding. But we continued, right? We started showing up and expressing to them love in different ways. In fact, we even, uh, we even hosted a party at our house. Now, it wasn't like their, their parties. But they were happy to come. They brought their friends. They even, as a gift, brought the big bottle of alcohol, something. I don't know what it was. And I know we were probably supposed to open it up and share it, and I don't know how all that works. But uh, when they left, we, we left it unopened, sitting on our shelf. It was like our tr- trophy for our ministry with unchurched people. Really. Every time we looked at it, we knew to pray for our unchurched friends. It was great until the general superintendent came to visit us. <laughs> I mean, we had to explain that. in your Bibles at Matthew chapter 5. This missionary work of the church and working in compassionate ministries, you need to know that the world can't always see and understand And know God through our programs and our sermons and our stuff that we do as a church, the culture that we create in the church. They won't get even by how we vote. We might not even get how we vote. But listen to what Christ says. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand that it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see what a great preacher you are and praise your Father. Ah, My version doesn't say that either. Let your light shine before men that they can see all the cool programs that your church... No. Let your light shine before men that they can see that you have chosen the correct worship style. No. Actually, it's really simple. For those of you who haven't gone to seminary, who lay people in the church, who haven't learned all the 12 syllable words to describe your faith, listen to how Christ talks to us 
about communicating the kingdom of God to others because this is something we can all grasp and do. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Man, it's really simple. And when we talk about compassionate ministries, we're talking about just that. We're talking about finding ways of communicating the message of the gospel, not through sophisticated programs or great preaching, but just by demonstrations of God's love to a really needy world. That they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Boy, my friends, they didn't get church. They didn't understand. But you know what they knew? We stopped the car. They understood that. You know, when earthquakes and tsunamis, crisis, war, terrible things happen, here's what I know and what I see. That in the worst of times, somehow going out before us is God's provenient grace, providing opportunities for us to share His love. Not just so that people can come to faith. I mean, we want people to come to faith. But so that the church can be the church. Right? So that that in the most difficult of times, God can work through us, each of us, business members, teachers, professionals, pastors, whatever our role is, and in the simplest of way, God can communicate His love to the world through our hands and through our feet in very simple and practical ways. That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so now here we are, living in this complicated world, And I want to thank you. This is a church that has given to Faith Promise, that has helped Compassionate Ministries, that has done things in generosity uh, to help the Church of the Nazarene around the world respond to some extremely complicated circumstances. Refugees. War. I mean, I have seen firsthand the church to respond to the genocide in Rwanda, the war in Kosovo, the crisis in East Timor, all of these different things and places where your generosity has helped to be the hands and feet of Christ. But in this church, in this congregation, know this, that the leaders of the church globally don't get excited just about what we do collectively because you gave in some far off place. But we believe that the transformation 
The transformational power of Christ is most powerful in the context of local congregations just like this. And so when I thank you for your generosity, and your pastors will come and talk more about faith promise giving and what that does and how you can participate, I also need to thank this congregation for its participation, particularly in providing demonstrations of good deeds, of God's love, in places that it's difficult with immigrants coming into this area, right? That need to see and feel and understand God's love despite whatever our political affiliation is. With the homeless and difficult circumstances, with people in other places like Haiti and Mexico and beyond. Right? So in our Jerusalem and our Samaria and to the ends of the earth, thank you. Thank you on behalf of the Church of the Nazarene, not just for your gifts, but for your demonstrations of God's love. And know that in doing so, as this world that might not understand what takes place in the context of this building, they can see your good deeds and they can praise your Father in heaven.